Smith. Thank you, young ladies. As part of our Ting Young Ladies Choir, and we thank the Lord for that. For those of you new to our church this evening, Heritage Baptist Church has something for every, every life stage. We thank God every Friday night for about 60 to 70 teenagers who assemble under the leadership of Pastor A.J. Tadiarka, and they just have a blast with, I don't know how, how many workers we have, brother, uh, Pastor, about, uh, about 10 or 12 workers there, something like that, about 10 workers there, and it's just great on Friday night to see all the teenagers assemble there with great heart for God, and uh, most of them are public school, charter school students just trying to live for the Lord, and we just try to create a vision here as you raise your children from the nursery on the way up, that that's where we want to target, that they get a heart for God, go into those public school systems, and have a great witness for the Lord. Jesus Christ. Well, let's stand, if you would, with me tonight and take your Bibles. We want you to read with us Joshua chapter 24. Members, I want to ask if you can help me this evening. I know we have notes we've given out, but members, if you'll share your Bible with some of our guests and visitors so they can find their way tonight, and we just want to give you a word of encouragement before we let you go. The families will kind of assemble near the front a little bit later after the service to take pictures, and so with family and friends, and that'll be a blessing there, so we want to give you some time for that tonight. Joshua 24 in the Old, Old Testament, and it's the sixth book of the Old Testament to help you there. It's right after the book of Deuteronomy. Joshua 24, I want you to go down to verse 13 with me. We're going to stay right there tonight, and for those of you new to the church this evening, we have been on a series on the family, primarily on marriage, and it's been a series entitled Yours Forever. We've had a wonderful time. God's blessed through that, and we're kind of on a, on a family series tonight as, as an extension of what we've been in the mornings and evenings, and we want you to just be blessed tonight by, this, by the subject of the serving family. Joshua 24, verses 13 to 15. Follow as I read, please. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Would you repeat that with me tonight from that latter part of verse 15? Would you say that together to me? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's say that again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, tonight, thank you again for this baby child dedication service. And for a few moments, we want to give a word of encouragement to help our families, not just the ones who dedicate their children, but everyone who's represented here. Father, be glorified tonight. And what is being said in this next moment, I pray for the empowerment of the, of the Spirit. Help us tonight that we would see your word as a mirror and we would see a reflection of ourselves and that God's word would tonight would just prayers and penetrate our heart. We pray for it all. We'd also see the mandates in your word and the realization there are certain things we need to follow through with in order for you to bless and work in our homes. Father, we approach this service with fear and trepidation, realizing we need the good hand of God upon our lives tonight. Thank you for this service. I pray your blessing upon your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we've said several times tonight, tonight is a very special evening for the families who've dedicated their children to the Lord, for Solomon and Carice Fernandez, for Saul and Lucero Gonzalez, for Erwin and Kat Gutierrez, Jesus and Angelica Hernandez, for Ted and Angie Lowe, for Alan and Catherine Wang, 
for Robert and Krista Williams. This has been an incredible evening for them, something they've looked forward to in presenting their children to their congregation, the congregation that they love, they're members of, and realizing an awesome and daunting task here in the 21st century to raise their children in this, this world. Now, I don't know if you've checked the laws recently. I don't know if you've checked what's going on in our school system. I don't know if you've paid close attention to what's going on on the internet, but this is probably the most challenging time ever in our world history to raise children for the Lord. It's a whole different dynamic than with some of us who've been around for a little bit here in terms of raising children. And yet we believe that tonight, no matter what the generation may be, no matter what the society may be, God's Word gives us an answer. It's a roadmap that guides us and leads us in how to lead our children in the ways of the Lord. We believe tonight that the families, as they stood before you here in the middle, and they dedicated their children, introduced them to you, they are making a public statement to everyone here. This child is God's gift to me. I'm giving that child back to the Lord. They're publicly stating tonight, they realize that God's hand is on their life. They want God's perfect will to be done. The Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray in that model prayer He gave us in Matthew chapter 6, that our that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to get an insight tonight, a little bit about that, what God's will is tonight, and to see God's perspective in terms of the children. I want you to notice Joshua 24 tonight. Joshua is at the tail end of his life. Right after what he says here, he will pass away. The Lord will take him home to be with him. He's 110 years old. We'll say more about that in a moment. And he's making a special time of just sharing his heart and pouring his heart out to uh, the children of Israel. And tonight, this is kind of my time as a pastor. I'm going to pour my heart out to our families, especially who dedicate their children to the Lord, and realizing that there's some important responsibilities associated with raising our children. I want you to see three things very quickly tonight from these three verses. Number one, which you notice in verse 13, God gives us a gifted favor. Raising children is a gifted favor of the Lord. It's a gift from God. It's a favor of the Lord. It's a chasm of time where you have the privilege of raising these children for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you notice verse 13? Israel has spent several years occupying a land that had been promised to them. We call this the land of promise. It was the land of Canaan. God said, I'm going to give you that land, but it would not be without a fight. The land that Israel went into was a gift from God. Notice God's description of it in verse 13 as given by Joshua. He says, and I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat? God says, I have given you this land. I have given you buildings. I have given you olive yards. I have given you vineyards. God said, you had to fight for it, but it's a gift from me to you. And parents, this evening, I'm reminded this evening, so solemnly this night, that children are the gift from God to us. The Bible says in Isaiah 8.18, and repeat it again in Hebrews 2.13, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me. Children are the gift from God. The Bible tells us, Psalms 127, verse 3, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Verse 3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Now, I know all these men here... These men who stood before you as fathers and husbands. And I'm very certain every one of them, they prayed that God would bless the womb of their wives. I'm certain every one of them prayed, God, please bless that my, my wife would be able to conceive a child, a healthy child, a holy child. And I think their heart, for all these men, I think I can speak for them, that even if the child would be born with perhaps some, some challenges or whatever, they were willing just to accept that challenge and realizing that's a gift from God. Children are a heritage from the Lord. They are a legacy that God gives us to pass on. 
we find that legacy beginning all the way back in Genesis chapter chapter 2, 3, and 4, when Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, was created by God. And God performed the first marriage, bringing Adam and Eve together. And as He did so, they were allowed to conceive. And they had, we're told about the first two sons they had, Cain and Abel. They were the gift from God. In fact, Eve was so, was so overcome in her heart of being able to conceive a son, as every woman is. She was so overcome in her heart that when she named him Cain, she actually thought that he was the promised Messiah. If you go back to the original Hebrew, she thought he was the original Messiah and came to realize that was not the Messiah. God had a perfect plan to fulfill. My thought I wanted to say to you tonight is that children are a gifted favor. Would you consider with me tonight that children are a fatherly enrichment? They are the gift from God. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, uh, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know what that's telling us? God is the giver of gifts. Thank God for the gift of life. Thank God that you and I have life. Thank the Lord tonight that God brought you into the world, and God made you for a purpose to fulfill. By the way, how many us understand tonight? God made us to glorify Him. Amen? And thank the Lord for that tonight. And uh, you know, And now we look at these parents here, and... We have another new expectant family that just got on the prayer list this past week. And we're just so excited for them that they realize tonight that, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. Listen, God never gives us anything that's left over. God never gives us anything that's broken. God never gives us less than His best. God gives that which is perfect to us. Look again at James 1.17. Every good gift. Listen, salvation is a good gift. Salvation is a perfect gift. And by the way, the children that God gave you is a good gift. And I want to say this, the child that God gave you is exactly custom designed by God for you to raise. Whatever challenges that child is going to have, God enabled you to have that child for you to steward their life during the time they're at home with you. He says it's a, it's a, it's a good gift. I like the fact that it says it comes down from the Father of lights. I'm thankful tonight that it's a fatherly entrustment. I'm thankful tonight it's a fatherly enrichment. God is the giver of that. We want to take a moment tonight. We want to take some time this week to thank the Lord for the gift of these babies. We're praying that God would bless these families with more babies if that's His perfect will. It's a fatherly gift. It's a favored gift. But I want to tell you tonight, it's also a fulfilling gift. A mother was cleaning up after a little child. You folks know how this works. Little kids have a tendency, you know, you let them run free and they play with the toys. They leave it all over the place. And if you just go by our little church nursery, you'll see that there. And they had, and it was one of those typical late mornings. She had just, you know, the baby had kind of, the little child had worn itself out and had toys all over the place. And finally the child was getting a little tired. And the mother said, listen, you know, baby, why don't you, let's take you inside your room. And you need to take your little uh, late morning nap. Let's get a little rest. You have a little bit of energy. And she got her baby tucked away into the bed and she fell asleep there. And mom came out. Of course, mom feels a little bit tired and she feel like it's only 11 o'clock in the morning and it felt like 6 o'clock in the evening after just a full morning with the baby there. And she started picking up the toys and she noticed that she did something that she'd seen before but never caught her attention. She saw a little handprint on the wall the size of her little daughter. The mother saw that handprint and she looked at it and she just sat there for a moment. She put all the toys down. 
And she put the toys down. She called the other children into the room. And as each one came by, and I think of the Williams family for just a moment. As each one came by, she called them by name. And she embraced them and hugged them. And beginning with the first one, she embraced that child. Tears started coming down the mother's face. She embraced them. She held them. She had tears. And then she did the second one. She embraced her. She had tears. She embraced the third one. had tears. And then she went to the bedroom where the fourth one was. And she just put her arm around her and kissed her on the forehead. And the mother was thinking, you know what? That is a treasure for me to see that little handprint on the wall is a reminder that that is God's gift to me. You know, parents, sometimes we're going to get exasperated raising children. Sometimes the cleaning up will get the best of us. And sometimes we're going to feel like, you know, it, it, this is a lot of hard work, it's a lot of difficulty. But let us never forget James 1.17. Every good gift, that baby child, every good gift and every perfect gift is from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Children are fatherly enrichment. But notice something else tonight. Children are faithful entrustment. Listen, this, 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 faith, this uh, gifted favor, God said to you, and God said to me, and God said to the parents in this room, I'm trusting you with this child. By the way, Christian friend, I believe at the judgment seat of Christ one day, one of the things God's going to evaluate is what we did with our children. Money is not your biggest entrustment. Property is not your biggest entrustment. Those children God has given us are the greatest entrustment we have. It's a life. It's a legacy. It's a difference maker in society. And what an awesome thing to think that if you feel that little baby's pulse and that little baby's heart, and that little baby, when, he's, when he or she is hurt, I want you to fathom with me, when the little baby years go away, they have elementary years, and the elementary years are going to go away, and they're going to have have pre-teen years, and then they're going to go into the adolescent years and the teen years, and look out when they become a teenager, amen? You give them to Brother AJ at that moment, amen? And we have an awesome responsibility, and as a church, we feel like we are an extension of every family as part of that responsibility, Amen? We have, from God, a faithful entrustment. Proverbs 22.6, this is the mission statement God has given to every parent in this room. Train up a child in the way in which he should go, that when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Train up a child in the way in which he should go, that he may not depart from it. And when you think about those words, that mission statement, number one, we're to provide those children devotion. Training up, you're not, it's not following a rule book and you do it without passion. Hey parents, I want to encourage you tonight, parent with, do your parenting with passion. Enjoy those moments. The days are going to go by so quick, you're going to wonder, where did the days go? We are entrusted to train them up with devotion. They need to know there's such a security from mom and dad. Those kids, every every bit of insecurity should be removed from them. Let's be very careful that as we give our devotion to them, we're not overbearing or we're overindulging. We've got to be careful of those excesses. There. It in, involves devotion. Listen, it involves direction. Notice again, train up of the child in the way which he should go. Do you know which way? you want to go? Where are you pointing them? They're like arrows in the quiver of a mighty man, right? Psalms under 27. Like arrows in the quiver of a mighty man. As you take that arrow out, listen, watch me parents, wherever you point that arrow, that's where it's going to go. You know where you're pointing them? What's your direction? 
What's your vision of your child? Well, my vision is that my child would go to Harvard. My vision would go to Yale. Listen, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet lose his own soul? We have to understand something tonight. More precious than their mind. And I'm not against building their mind. And I'm not against them going to an academic, an excellent academic education. And probably most of these children will. But I'm saying you're to focus on the heart before you focus on the head. The baby Jesus, when we define the description of how he was raised, they focus first on his spirit. Parents, you must work on the spirit of the child. Listen, the child is born as a manipulator. The very first thing they do when they come out, they go, ah! What are they trying to do? They're manipulating you, amen? They want you to, they want you to indulge in their cries. Oh, we gotta feed the baby, ah! I gotta change the diaper, ah! I gotta hold the baby again. They've got you control. You don't, they're not, you don't control them, they're controlling you. And they know. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, you're going to figure out pretty soon. They have a very strong will. We provide direction. Provide devotion. Look at that verse again. Train up a child in the way in which he is old and when he, is, he should go. And when he is old, we're giving them discernment. I asked a young man the other day, I said, uh, what is Wisdom. He tried to give me an answer. It was the wrong answer. And he, I said, well, how do you get wisdom? He says, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, that's a great quotation, but how do you do that? And I remind us tonight, the sum total of all our wisdom is still not enough wisdom. And I remind you tonight, wisdom comes from experience. Wisdom does come from reading. Wisdom does come from being around older mentors who've been down that path where we have experience. But wisdom is also learning that we must learn how to make right choices. Part of training our children in discernment is helping them to learn how to make right choices. Work on the, work on the spirit of the child. Good from evil. The Bible says, butter and honey shall he, er, shall he eat, that he may discern the good from the evil. Look that up. The Bible teaches us that we must teach them discernment. By the way, we, as we train them up, we teach them how to make decisions. That's part of training up a child. That when he's old, he shall not depart from it. The story is told about two boys that were playing in the snow one day. And they're having a great time. You know, they're t- making snowballs and smashing snowballs at each other. And they're just making big holes in the fresh, the fresh snow that's there. It was all powder pack. And then the older boy said, hey, let's have a contest. He said, uh, let, there's a tree over there. And he said, there's actually several trees. Let's, uh, we're over here on the far end. Let's see which one of us can walk there the straightest path. Let's see who can make the straightest path. So the older boy got his eyesight fixed on the tree. And he started walking like this and wake, making his way through. He's trekking his way through the snow make his way and he went all the way straight and he didn't turn his head one time the younger boy said well I'm going to beat that and the younger boy started uh, started at the same time but the younger boy did this he started looking at his tree and as he's looking he would go a few steps and he looked back to see where he was at then he'd look back again and he looked like this and he basically was going zigzag zigzag not realizing he was going zigzag and by the time he got to his tree both boys had turned around looked back and the older boy had made a straight path the second boy had made a zigzag path the second boy was very just kind of upset with himself and he said what happened here what did i do and the older boy said this i just set my eyes on the tree and kept them there the whole time while you stopped and looked back and wandered out of your course families i want to encourage you tonight this faithful entrustment by god we must keep our eyes on the word of god 
We must keep our eyes on the Lord. We must remind ourselves it's very easy for us to turn back and look to see what our paths were. And we're going to have regrets about things we didn't do. May I encourage you tonight, there are no regrets when you're following the path that God has laid for us according to His Word. Make sure that the Bible, the Word of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the direction that you're heading in as far as raising your children for the Lord. I want to encourage every family here tonight, regardless of the age of the child, make sure your motive and desire for training your children is that they are, you'll be biblically training them. Make sure that we are biblically training them, not according to traditions and not according to whims, because traditions and whims can only take us so far. God's Word is wisdom. God's Word is eternal truth. God's Word will guide us. Parents, I want to encourage us tonight, if you've not started training your children, train them, work on their heart. Listen, Solomon in Proverbs 23, as a much older man, was speaking to the heir apparent, his son Rehoboam. As he looked at Rehoboam, if you read through all the Proverbs, he's trying to get Rehoboam about, uh, you know, to be steadfast in his walk. And Solomon says something very passionate that every father wants. He looked at his son at a much older age and it was too late at the time he said my son give me thy heart the time to ask your children and to work on them to give you their heart is right now when they're little babies when they're little children we want to say my son give me thy heart hey i'm going to ask you a question tonight how many of us believe we have the heart of our children how many of our children are going in the way of the lord or going our way and I want to say tonight for every parent this evening, as we train up our children, let's have faith in God. Let's have faith God's going to guide us and direct us. That's why our theme this year is I believe. I believe God is more than capable of giving us ideas we need in raising our children. So number one, we see a gifted favor. Very quickly tonight, would you notice a second thing? And that's found in verses 14 and 15. There's a gifted favor, but notice secondly, very quickly, there must be a godly faith. Joshua was 110 years old. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is a series of sermons that Moses had preached and prepared the children of Israel. He's getting them prepped and ready to enter into the promised land. And the whole book is a series of reminders. It tells them blessings and curses and commandments from God. He's preparing them for what to do. And that was deeply embedded into Joshua. Joshua would be the, uh, uh, the successor to Moses. In fact, we read as early as Deuteronomy chapter 1. He says, I'm going to turn the baton over to Joshua. And this is what he said to the children of Israel. Encourage thou Joshua. Because he's taking on an awesome task. Joshua was very content with being a servant role. He was content with being the second man next to Moses. And man, for him to step into the sandals of Moses, that's like saying, whoa, I'm not sure I could really do that. But he did anyway, because it was God's will for him to do that. And now Joshua has led them successfully for over 30-something years in acquiring that promised land and getting settled. They acquired it, then they get settled in it, and they're doing all these things to get ready there. And now Joshua's 110 years of age, and he's at the point of life where even he knew that he didn't have much time left. And he knew the propensity of the heart of the children of Israel. Moms and dads and parents, can I say something tonight? God knows the propensity of our hearts. No matter how good our intention, one slip-up could mess us up. One temptation could mess us up. Run wrong thought can mess up. And don't say it won't happen to me. It's happening to better people than you and me. We must have a godly faith. And so he says in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. 
And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Please understand tonight, a godly faith begins when the parents decide, I'm going to pass, beginning now as I'm training them, I'm passing something down to my children. That's why grandparents, they look at that grandbaby and they think, they think of all the things they didn't do and they're thinking, I need to help my children in this area, the things I didn't do. A godly faith is passing down a long-lasting legacy to those children. We're passing down our faith to the children. I read the story the other day. A school teacher was correcting some papers. Are there any school teachers in the room tonight? Any school teachers? How many school teachers? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. They're not going to mug you. Right, we have several school teachers. Okay. One of the hardest things about being a teacher, a lot of people don't understand, teachers' work doesn't end in the classroom. It just is starting. Amen. And teacher works in the classroom, and, uh, and I give them credit. They, they're on their feet talking all day. I get to preach several hours a week, and sometimes when I feel like I'm worn out, I always think about our teachers in the church. I think, man, they're on their feet five days a week dealing with these kids who don't like what they have to say. And I say, whatever I get out of it, man, it's nothing compared to that. Amen? But teachers have to go home, and they bring all these papers home and tests home. They've got to grade them. They've got to correct the homework, and they still got to take care of their families and all these other things. And it's an incredible amount of work. And, and, and most teachers who are very conscientious, and I think most are, they're up late at night working through that. Well, this teacher was had taken a bunch of a bunch of schoolwork home for a bunch of elementary school children, and she was correcting the papers. And she had not finished. She came back to school, and she came to the one that was on the top. And she came back to school to correct was this one little boy, and she one little boy's paper. And she's looking at it, and she's circling everything in red. You know, it's just like everything was wrong. And this teacher, before she even got to the second page, she had almost everything on the first page in the circle red. And she was just so exasperated because she thought, how could this child mess up like this? I've covered this lesson extensively. And finally, before she finished the second page, as the children were walking in, the little boy walks in. He says, hey, Billy, come over here. I need to talk to you. And she looked, he looked at her and he thinks, what's wrong, teacher? She said, look at your paper. I haven't even got the second page. I've circled all these things wrong. And she said this, this statement to him. I failed to understand how one person can make so many mistakes. And the little boy said without missing a beat, well, it wasn't just one person. My father helped me with this paper here, isn't it? Raising children, we better be careful we don't make mistakes. Amen? We don't want to be like that dad. He helped his kid, but he helped his kid in the wrong way. Amen? Notice number one, a godly faith is consciously submissive. Would you notice verse 14? Now, that's a good word to circle right now. Amen? Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Joshua was not just talking to the elders. He wasn't just talking to the leaders. He wasn't talking to Eliezer, the high priest. He wasn't talking just to Levites. He was talking to everybody there. Now, fear the Lord. And serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Question number one. Does our home life 
Does our home, the spirit of our home, reflect an atmosphere where there's a fear of the Lord? And I'm not talking about where you go into your home, you're carrying away in fear like to that to God. I'm saying where there's this attitude, this disposition that, you know what? Our home is going to honor the Lord. I encourage you tonight, if you haven't done so, maybe you might want to get it, especially for the young families. You may want to get a copy of the Ten Commandments that you display promptly in your home. Or you might want to get Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, and place those promptly in your home somewhere where it says, Now for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to encourage you to have a big Bible somewhere in your home that's very prominent on a coffee table or on a kitchen table where everybody knows that the Bible is God's holy word. You know, be consciously submissive, he says, Fear the Lord. Our home needs to be a place where our children know that we love God. As my children were growing up, they, they had their, their times of rebellion and their disappointment and disobedience, as all children do. And sometimes my, my wife and I would have to correct them. But every time we correct them, I've shared this many times, every time we corrected them and had to deal with that issue, we would always say, now who did you hurt when you did this? My children would always would say something like this. They'd say, Daddy or Mommy. We hurt you. And I said, who else did you hurt? And they would have a tear that would come in their eye. And they would say, Daddy and Mommy, we hurt God. I said, that's bad, isn't it? They said, yeah, it is. And I said, what do you think we should do about that? And they said, well, you told us from God's Word. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins to Him, He will forgive us of our sins. I said, that's right. But in between there, it says He's faithful and just to forgive us. I said, you know what? You want a good image of God to give your children? A good image of God to give to them is knowing that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us. A heavenly father who's faithful. He never turns us away. He never rejects us. He's faithful and he's just. Hey, listen, God is not just fair. God is more than fair to us. And you can teach your children as early as two and three years of age to approach God with a tender heart and come to him. Listen, we're to fear the Lord. Notice in sincerity and truth. Parents, we need to be very careful. We're not playing church with our children. We need to be very careful. We're not, we're not, we're, we're, we're vying for a position or something we're trying to do there because that's our ambition in church. God says we are to fear Him in sincerity and in truth. You know, the greatest thing our parents, our children can see from us, they don't need to see us that we've got a title, that I'm a pastor, or I'm a Sunday school teacher, or I'm a deacon, or I'm this and that. You know what they need to see in a mom and dad? They need to see a mom and dad sitting in church, listen to preacher preach and say, Amen, preacher! Amen, preacher. They want to see a mom and dad that's excited about the Word of God. They want to see a mom and dad that they, they belch it out when they sing, How great thou art, and blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. They want to see a mom and dad that says, Hey, Sunday's coming. Let's get our best clothes on. Let's get to church. Let's have a great time. And church is exciting. Let's go to it. Amen? That's what our, our kids need to see. They need to see there's an excitement, enthusiasm. Listen, if all you're doing, you're getting all wrapped up teachers in your lessons, you're getting all wrapped up, you got to do this, do that, you've missed the OSs. It's not about what you and I do, it's what God does for us when we come to church. God wants to work in our hearts and God wants to change it. Listen, transformation is not just for the students you're teaching. Transformation is for us too who are preachers and teachers. We need to be transformed. And if God is not transforming us, we have failed at our task in doing what God wants us to do. Make Bible reading a priority in your home. On non-church days, make the worship of God something special. It doesn't have to be long. You have a family altar. Listen, you can keep it within 10 minutes, reading scripture and having prayer together. But it ought to be time. Hey, let's stop for a minute. Let's not forget God. Let's not forget who the Lord is. And you can read through the Psalms and take one thought. I was sharing with our men that met me with me on Sunday morning for prayer. I shared with them from Psalms 94. I think it's verse 15. The Bible says this. And the multitude of my thoughts within me. Thy comforts delight my soul. 
Boy, we need that because sometimes we're in turmoil. But you have to understand the context of that chapter. He wrote that in the context of a believer going through severe chasing. God was disciplining him because he'd been part of, of, the, of the disobedience of the nation of Israel. And now he's realizing God's chasing became a comfort to him. Listen, when God works in our heart, we need to understand that God has something he wants to accomplish in our hearts as well as our children. Help our children to see what God is doing. Make Bible reading a priority. Make, make prayer a priority. Make the worship of God something special. Make going to church on Sunday the big thing of the week for you. Amen? Now thank God for open house and thank God for teacher days and thank God for all those things and thank God we go on vacation. But let's make sure we, we infuse an enthusiasm within our children to say, listen, I'm looking forward to going to church. And by the way, most of our parents do that. I'm glad for that. Amen? Number two. We not Godly faith is depicted through by being consciously submissive. But notice verse 15. A godly faith is courageously selective. Courageously selective. Now listen, if you're going to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's going to take some courage. You're going to have to fight against some traditions. You're going to have to fight against some old wise fables. You're going to have to fight with society. You're going to be deemed as they'll say, you're, pur- you're a Puritan. No, you're biblical. Amen. You say, you're weird. You're out of whack there. And we're no, none of that. You know, t- discipline your children, raise them to nurture heaven is short. That's biblical. Watch what he says here in verse 15. If it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord. Now, what he's saying there, if you're, if you're getting a little queasy about it, and you, you have misgivings or second thoughts about serving the Lord. Notice what he says here. If it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And moms and dads, grandparents tonight, here's where the rubber meets the road. Who are you going to serve? Who are you serving? Choose you today, not tomorrow. Choose you today whom you'll serve. That's what Joshua said. I mean, here's an old, frail man, but he's still out of vigor inside him. He says, I know your propensity. I know where you're at because I've been down there. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. There's no middle ground. No man can serve two masters. You either serve God or mammon. Listen, if you choose to be all out for the Lord, it means you're going to be faithful to God's house. You're going to be all out for the Lord, it means you're going to have dedicated prayer time. If you're going to be all out for the Lord, you're going to realize when the big problem comes, you get the whole family involved and to pray about it together. If you're going to be all out for the Lord, it means you might risk being persecuted and rejected by your family. The average church today, if you can get a Christian to come Sunday morning, that's a great thing. You come to a Baptist church like this, and we believe that it takes three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We believe if you're not in church and getting under God's Word, here's what's happened. Our tendency in our flesh, because we get weak, is we get pulled away by too many other things. And God bless you tonight for those who are faithful coming to church. We have a good crowd most services. But I'm telling you tonight, it, it, it takes work to do that. And it's, and it's difficult. And it takes strain. And it's a little bit hard there. But if you choose to do that, you know, you're going to have some misgivings. And you're going to be persecuted. Some people are going to tell you, that you know, why did you do this and why did you do that? Hey, you've got to choose today more than anything else. Choose you this day whom you'll serve it's either god or me it's either god or my job it's either god or this choose you this day whom you'll serve then thirdly notice this we must be consciously submissive 
fear the Lord and serve in sincerity and truth. We must be courageously selective. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. But notice again verses 14 and 15. We must be consistently serving. That's part of a godly faith. Here's what Joshua say. I'm 110 years old. I'm going to pass the scene. My generation is going to be gone. He says, I'm passing the baton to you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do for the next generation? What do you, listen, we, God's brought us here. We've gone to the promised land. The next generation is rising up. What are we going to do here? And notice verses 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And notice this, and serve you the Lord. And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell in. Notice, notice the testimony of, of, of Josh and all this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that your decision? Is that your decision? Huh? But as for me and my house... Don't worry what Pastor AJ is going to do. Don't worry about what Brother Williams is going to do. Don't worry about what Brother LaForga is going to do. Hey, you need to decide for yourself tonight. As for me and my house, what's your priority for your home? And some have never made that decision, that decision of dedication, as for me and my house. And some have made that, and you've strayed a little bit. I think tonight's a good time to get back to places saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not, it's not a suggestion. It's saying, we've made a decision. We're going to do it. Godly faith is consistently serving. Moms and dads, everything rises and falls on leadership. A little boy was sitting in a church service about Boaz's age. Offering plate was being passed around. Small little church. And the little boy started feeling around, hoping he had a dime or a nickel or a quarter on him. And he realized he didn't bring his offering money that Sunday. And he felt so bad because his mom and dad didn't agree with him. Now, when you go to church, son, make sure we're going to give you a little bit of money every week. Make sure you put an offering in for the Lord so you can tell the Lord you love him. And, and the little boy was getting a little upset and tears were welling up in his eyes. He's thinking, man, I'm here by myself today and I didn't bring my quarter and I don't have any change in my pocket. And he's like, what am I going to do? And he's getting, he's just getting really, really anxious as the offering plate's been passed around. Finally, the offering plate comes to the little boy. Guess what the little boy did? Little boy took the offering plate, he put it on the floor, and he stood inside the offering plate. He stood inside of that, and you know what he was saying to that statement? I don't have any money to give, but I'm going to give the best thing I have. I'm going to give myself. Well, that's convicting. (laughs) He stood in that offering plate and said, I'm going to give the best thing I have. I'm going to give. Hey, is that the kind of faith we're transferring to our children? Is that what we're saying to the next generation? We have to understand tonight, it's a godly faith. Then as we close tonight, would you notice one last thing and we're done. The serving family realizes they have a gifted favor from God. The serving family realizes that it entails a godly faith to raise our children. But as we close tonight, would you notice a godly faith? We realize tonight that a serving family must have a grounded foundation. Would you go back to verse 13 again? God said in verse 13, I give you a land. A land. The land is which, the, the place where they built their foundation. The foundation for their buildings. The land was solid. The land, whatever they built upon it, they built a solid foundation. 
Families, tonight I declare to you we must have a solid foundation upon which we build upon. I declare to you tonight, according to Matthew 7, which you notice Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27, that we must have this solid foundation, and that foundation is God's Son, Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus said this at the close of His Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, there's how you get wisdom. He says, if you hear God's word, and you do them, he says, that's a wise thing to do. There's a lot of wisdom in that thought now. He says, so he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, we're going to get a contrast here of two men. The first man, he's building a home. He builds it on a rock. He builds it where there'll be a solid foundation. Verse 25. And he says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. What a, what a colorful picture. Can you imagine that for a moment? Have you ever seen beachfront property? You ever wonder about beachfront property, if there's a tsunami, whether it'll make it? If you ever want to buy beachfront property or lakeside property, you want to ask the question, if there's a flood, will it make it? Will it wash it off its foundation? How secure is that foundation? And this man, he had seen some houses perhaps in the past that were built on that, that area there that didn't have a firm foundation. And so the Bible says about this man in verse 24 and 25, he built his house upon a rock, and the Bible says when the rain came, and there was such there was such torrential rain, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house. And listen, it was a very, very terrible storm, and yet the house withstood that storm. That's man number one. Man number two, we go down to verse 26, and it says this, and, it, and he says, and it says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Man number two. He's not a wise man. He's a foolish man. He had the precedent of a wise man who built his house on a rock. He saw this man's house withstand the winds and the rain and the wind and all those things that happened there. And that this other man says, well, I'm not worried about that. And he said, I'll build my house upon the sand. Listen, sinking sand is faulty ground. Sinking sand, sand, you build it on a sand, is not withstanding. And the same rain and the same winds and the same floods and the same storm came. And that man's house washed away because he built it upon the sand. Hey, tonight, my question for you, what kind of foundation have you built your home upon? You see, this evening, we must build our lives and build our homes on God's Son, Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Tonight, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone for every faith. I may be speaking tonight to some people here this evening. You've never embraced the Christian faith. You're not 100% sure if you're, if you're going to heaven. You're not 100% sure where you'll spend eternity. And tonight, I want to encourage you to realize as we look at this, this, this story that Jesus gives here as we close. I want you to realize God gives us a choice on how to build our homes and how to build our lives. Are you going to build your life on Jesus Christ? 
by accepting Him and taking Him as your Savior and recognizing that you're a sinner, your sin has to be punished, and God punished His Son, Jesus Christ, for your sins and mine, but we must, by faith, accept the fact that Jesus took our place. If we try to get to heaven on our own terms, we try to get to heaven on our own, on our own merits, we won't make it. Because heaven is not works-based. Heaven is grace-based. Heaven is a gift from God. It is the gift of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And realize tonight, the foolish man tried to do it his way. It didn't work. And when the storms came and the difficulties came, his house fell and great was the fall of it. You're not building your home and your life on Jesus Christ. It's on shaky ground. And when the same storms come, you won't make it. Oh, my friend, tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we invite you this evening to call on the Lord to save you. This past Thursday night, as I close, this past Thursday night, my son-in-law Solomon, we went to help them with the uh, memorial service for his Uncle Cesar. Uncle Cesar had had, uh, came down with cancer uh, late last year. It was a fast-growing cancer. And before he could even start treatment, the cancer had spread. It was just a very, just very, very traumatic situation for him. But we had the privilege that they, the family asked me to come and to, to, to give the memorial service, which I was glad to do. And I shared with them as they got there, many of them were heartbroken. His oldest brother got up and uh, the oldest brother started by saying, why are we here? And I don't even know what, what, I don't know, know what I'm supposed to say. And he says, I'm pinching myself. It just, it doesn't seem real right now. He was my younger brother. He was the life of the family. And I just can't believe my, my brother has gone away. And, and family, I remember, family, I remember after family member just sharing their tributes and testimony for Uncle Cesar. It was so hard for them. But I told, but I, I told his daughter, April, I said, April, I said, I, if you'll let me go last, I, I want to share something that everyone needs to know about your, about your dad. She said, Pastor Farm, I want you to do that. And I shared with that congregate, that group of people, it was a room filled with all of Solomon's relatives, many of them I had met many times before, many of them that were pers- had a different persuasion as far as their, their religious belief. And I share with them, I know for a fact that Uncle Cesar is in heaven. I know without a shadow of doubt that Uncle Cesar is in heaven. And I share with them how on Saturday, December 4th, 2010, Solomon and I went to his Uncle Cesar's home when his Aunt Mona was still alive. Aunt Mona was a, had, had, had suffered through uh, cancer for 10 years, beautiful woman, a beautiful woman, and she had gone through cancer for 10 years. Uncle Cesar was right by her side taking care of her, but they noticed the situation was not getting better. It was actually took a turnabout. They were very discouraged. Solomon had shared that with me back in 2010. My wife and I were just coming back for some, some trip somewhere. It was a Saturday. And I said, Solomon, as soon as I land, if you can make a way for me to visit with Uncle Cesar and Auntie Mona, that, uh, Tita Mona, that afternoon, I will be there. And he worked it out, and we got there about 3 o'clock that afternoon. And I don't know how to describe this to you. They had never met me. And, you know, when you're, when you're going through your treatments and you're sick, you're kind of a little bit antisocial, a little bit shy of being around people. And so they, were, they didn't know who I was and what to expect there. But there was something God did that moment. As I got to their home there in Castor Valley, they opened their door. And Uncle Cesar looked at me. And I don't know how to describe this. Only probably Solomon could. It just seemed, felt like at that moment second, it felt we just God gave us a connection that moment. I just felt like I knew him and he knew me. And he said, I want you to meet my wife, Mona. And he brought her in a wheelchair and she stood up the best she could. And we just, all of us embraced and just got a chance to talk. And, we, and, and I don't know how to describe this, but for an hour, we stood up in the living room. I still can remember very vividly, even as I'm standing here, we stood up in the living room and we're just sharing and talking for a long period of time. And maybe for an hour, we're just talking and chit-chatting, things like that. And, and we just, as if we knew each other for a long time, just talking about a lot of things. And finally, I said, listen, Uncle Cesar, Tita Mona, I want to tell you why I came here today. And they kind of knew. 
And I said, Uncle Cesar, Tita Mona, I, I realize today you have a different religious persuasion, but I came to tell you today that you can have, I, I came to bring you some good news. And I said, how sure are you today that if today was your last day on earth that you're going to heaven? And both of them weren't sure. And I shared with them the wonderful news that we share every, every service. God loves you. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. You don't have to be punished for your sins. Jesus took all that punishment for you. When Jesus died on the cross, He gave all of Himself, not part of Himself. He died for every sinner. He died for every sin. And I shared how Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And how when Christ rose again from the dead, He overcame sin, death, and the devil. And I said... I said, heaven is a free gift from God. And I shared with them what Jesus said in John 14. You believe in God, believe also me. He said, my, my father's house are many mansions. And I go there to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I said, God wants you to go to heaven. God's will is that every person goes to heaven. But to go to heaven, we must accept by faith and with a hard repentance that Christ died for our sins. We must accept by faith that Jesus took our spot. He took our place. And we must accept by faith that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. We must accept by faith that God loves us and wants to save us. And I don't know how to describe this to you, but as we were sharing that, I became very emotional. They became very emotional. As we started sharing, I put my armor on Uncle, Uncle Sester and Tita Mona, and I said, listen, God loves you, and God wants you to get saved. God wants you to be 100% sure today that you're saved and going to heaven. And all three of us, and Solomon in the background, all of us just broke down and started weeping, crying like little babies there. And I, I'm, I don't normally do that, but at that moment of time, we just became over, overcome with emotion. And Uncle Sester said this, Pastor, I believe what you're saying. If we can be saved today, we want to take Jesus right now to be our Savior. And I got up at that memorial service, that celebration of life service, this past Thursday night. I said, I want all of you to know that I, Uncle Cesar, he is in heaven. I want you to know if Uncle Cesar came back right now, there are two things he would tell you that he'd want you to do. Number one, he would tell you to stop crying for him because he's in heaven. He's in a place where mortal is put on immortal. The corruptible is put on incorruptible. He's in a place where God wiped away all tears. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more cancer. There's no more pain. There's no more doctors. There's no more bills. There's no more lawyers. Praise God for that. Amen. But I said, it's your choice. I can't do it for you. I said, family, if you believe tonight, God loves you. And Jesus died for your sins. I'm going to lead you tonight how to make Jesus Christ, how you can accept Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. As I led in what we call the sinner's prayer, you could hear a number of people throughout the room, and there were probably 40 people in the room, maybe more, calling the Lord to save them. I told them this when we were done. I said, listen, if you called on the Lord Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior tonight, as you come down, as we close, I says, you come down to pay your final respects to Uncle Cesar. Would you stop by on, his le- on the left-hand side where I'm standing, by the casket? Would you stop by and shake my hand and let me know that you did? Listen, I'm done. Six adults came up to me and said, Pastor Fong, we just want you to know, we prayed and asked Jesus to save us tonight. 
I made my way outside as we, we dismissed the service. I made my way outside to the back there, and I was stopped by maybe four or five other relatives. They said, Pastor, we forgot to tell you. We just want you to know we accepted Jesus Christ, our personal Savior tonight. I said, what did Jesus do for you? Here's what all of them said. Jesus saved us from our sins. We know we're going to heaven. It's not enough to believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. You need to believe Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead. Listen to me tonight, I'm done. God loves you. He wants you to get saved. He wants you to make heaven your own. I'm going to help you tonight. If you're not saved tonight, we're going to help you tonight to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Families, thank you for being here tonight. Guests and relatives, thank you for being here tonight indulging us as we try to share and challenge our families. First of all, I want to lead in prayer any of you tonight who do not know Christ as your Savior. Again, we're all sinners. Sin must be punished. The way God punishes us, if we die in this life without our sins forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we'll spend all of eternity in a terrible place called hell. God doesn't want us to go to hell. God wants us to go to heaven. You can assure yourself of that by taking Jesus Christ tonight as your Savior. By saying, God, tonight, I confess tonight, I am a sinner who needs to be saved. I believe Jesus Christ, your Son, died for my sins and rose again for the dead. Here's what you can do. You can pray a prayer like this, but make sure it's your prayer. And make sure it's from your heart. You're not just repeating after me. I'll give you the motto, but you've got to make this your prayer. You can pray something like this tonight to make Jesus Christ your Savior. Here's what you can pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess tonight I am a sinner who needs to be saved. I believe your Son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I repent of my sins tonight and take Jesus Christ by faith to be my Savior. Thank you tonight for your gift of eternal life. Thank you tonight for the forgiveness of all my sins. Thank you tonight for making me a child of God. Thank you tonight for this. I pray in Jesus' name. Your head still bowed, eyes closed. How many would say tonight by the raise of your right hand, Pastor Fong, I, I realized tonight I was a sinner who needed to be saved. And I just prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. How many would raise your hand tonight and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Anyone like that? You'd raise your right hand and say, Pastor, I want you to know tonight I took God's Son, Jesus Christ, to be my personal Savior. Wait just a moment. Anyone like that tonight? Families tonight, we're going to pray for you now. We're going to pray again for every family here that we would commit ourselves to this matter of raising our children by a godly faith. We're going to pray tonight for those families who dedicate their babies to the Lord, that God will be glorified through that decision. Father, tonight, you send your word, choose you this day whom you'll serve. And Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Father, tonight that Joshua gives us a wonderful pattern 
of how we can serve God. Help give the families courage tonight to be selective, to say, I'm going to serve the Lord tonight. Help every family here tonight to decide they're going to not only just, just choose the Lord, but they're going to serve the Lord. And they're going to lead their family in just growing up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And to have a fear of God in their home and where the Bible and prayer is preeminent in every home. Father, bless decisions around the room as we think about our homes and our families and our needs. Father, may your perfect will be done in every life. Father, we rejoice tonight with our eyes have seen and our ears have heard. We pray that you bless these families and their endeavor for you. We approach you humbly tonight, realizing it's way over our heads in terms of what we must do. In a moment, Lord, as we dismiss everyone, we pray your blessing upon the homes and lives represented here. And we pray all these things of you tonight in the wonderful, matchless, powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, we want to thank you tonight for being here. And uh, the families who dedicate their, their children to the Lord, you can use the front tonight if, if you want after the service to and take some pictures of family and friends. It's a wonderful thing. And we want you to do that and uh, take some time to fellowship. Guests and visitors, we're glad you're here tonight. We hope you get a chance to shake all your hands. I want to remind you of a few announcements tonight. Ladies, we have our special fellowship meeting. And ladies who are here tonight as guests and visitors, we invite you to be part of that. We have a special fellowship meeting, uh, a luncheon that the ladies are having next Saturday. It's a potluck luncheon. It's entitled S'more of G- Give Me S'more of Jesus. That's their theme. And it's a potluck luncheon. And we have a special speaker coming in, Mrs. Kelly Rasmussen from Southern California. We'll be coming up as a pastor's wife. Encourage our ladies in the Lord. That'll start at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we just want all the ladies, if you can, to sign up for that. We need to get a good head count. If you'll come for that, that'll be a blessing. And then our, on Sunday, May 13th, we have our special Mother's Day service in the morning. And every mother in attendance that day and grandmother in attendance will get a special gift from us. And men, just as Brother Irwin mentioned today, we didn't forget the men. The men will have a special barbecue fellowship time on May 19th, Saturday, May 19th. It'll be a wonderful time for that. So we're looking forward to that. Now, there's a bunch of you. I sent you a message on Friday that need to meet with me for a quick meeting. If you guys, as soon as we, we stand up and, and we'll let you go first, meet me over in the chapel so we can have a quick meeting over there on a few things I need to cover and then we'll let you go. But families, you can stick around and have a time of photo, uh, photographs and things like that and that'll be a blessing. Let's stand if we would, please. Brother Jojo, where's Brother Jojo? Brother Jojo, if you'll come.